If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 3. I didn't really finish my sermon last week, so I'm going to pick up at the very tail end of it and kind of catch up and go from there. Look at verse 3 with me. And indeed, even now, you are still unable to take it. Now, this is Paul writing a letter to his church in Corinth, the church that he founded. And when he says, you are not able to take it, he's talking about the meat of the word, the maturity of Christianity. He says, you're not ready for that, for you are still fleshly. He says in verse 3, well, fleshly meant uh, they are believers, but they're babies. They're little babies in the spirit. They're little babies in Christendom. They haven't grown at all. Now, mere lapse of time says nothing about uh, bringing you uh, Christian maturity. Some people will say, you know, I was saved in a revival when I was 10 years old in Arkansas, and uh, now they're 80, and they say, I've been a Christian all these years. Well, guess what? You are still a baby in the Lord if you didn't grow during all those years, if you didn't uh, go to church and go to Sunday school and read your Bible and talk to other Christians and maybe go to some conferences and some seminars and take some tapes and do this and do that. You know, you can be born again and then never grow spiritually, though chronologically you become much, much older. Now, here's the key question related to that. Are we growing in love? That's the key question. Uh, You can grow in a lot of different ways. But in Christianity, the thing that you want to do is grow in love. I had somebody ask me one time, Preacher, I really don't want to read the whole Bible. Could you kind of boil it down for me? (laughs) What's the point? Give me the point. And uh, I said, well, it's love God and love people. And he looked at me and he said, uh, well, that, that sounds good. He said, I'd like to get in on that. So I tried to point him in the right direction. The question for us today is, are we growing in love? Are we just getting older? Are we growing in love? Uh, That's the thing that uh, really speaks directly to our lives in relationship to our Savior, in relationship to the family of faith, the family of God. Those are very, very important things. Continuing verse 3, for where there is envy... And strife among you, are you not fleshly? Now, if there was ever a church that had a lot of envy and strife in it, it was in Corinth. This church had more troubles than any other church that Paul related to. I mean, it was just full of trouble. There was a lot of envy there. There was a lot of strife there. There were a lot of outside groups that tried to come in and uh, ruined that fellowship one way or another. Other standards uh, than Paul's seem to have been employed in Corinth. Gifts of the Spirit, such as speaking in tongues, 
the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of this, of that, uh, would confer the status of spiritual. Well, the people in Corinth, they would get up and say, I have the gift of thus and such. And, of course, the ones that didn't have it uh, were envious. And then somebody else would stand up and say, well, I have this gift, and my gift is better than your gift. And they, you know, it would just kind of go round and round and round. There was all kinds of strife in that church. They didn't get along with each other. Uh, they didn't get along with anybody. And uh, it was a very difficult thing. If you've read First and Second Corinthians, of course, you know that. Well, such gifts, if not uh, accompanied by love, uh, were just man-centered uh, in their spirituality. About 45 years ago, I was uh, serving in a church in Dallas, and I was working with a group of folks, and uh, a lady in that group, she and her husband always sat together, and the, the lady uh, on this particular Sunday uh, said she wanted to say something, and she said, uh, I have just received the gift of healing. And we didn't know exactly what to say or if we were supposed to clap or we didn't, you know, we didn't know what we were supposed to do. And she said, I healed two people this week. And, uh, nobody, and nobody said anything. So we just went on. So about two weeks later, start off the class, she said, uh, I healed somebody this week. And uh, I didn't know where that was going. And so I said to her, well, could I make a suggestion? She said, what? What's that? And I said, uh, would you go to the hospital? You know, it's not far from here. And there's a whole lot of sick people there. You could go from bed to bed to bed, from person to person to person. On the first floor, second floor, third floor, fourth floor. In two or three days, you could heal everybody in there. I said, uh, well, you know, why don't, why don't you try that? And she didn't say anything. So a couple of weeks uh, later, she said, I healed somebody this week. I said, well, that's that's good. And uh, she said, but I want all of you to pray for my husband. He got his toe caught in our shag rug and about pulled his toe off. And it's really hurting and it's swollen and it's black and blue. And I just want all of you to pray uh, for him. And I said, well, why don't you just heal him? She gave me the dirtiest look <laughs> I have ever had in my life. But I thought that was appropriate. She was giving us an update every week on what she had done, and I didn't see any reason why she couldn't expand that ministry. Well, she didn't like that, and, and but she never brought it up again. She never mentioned it uh, one more time. Well, we don't want the opposite of love, which is uh, egocentric living. 
love is a much more trustworthy criterion if you're talking about Christian growth and Christian development. Do you conduct yourself, continuing verse 3, do you conduct yourselves in accordance with human standards? Now that's a question for all of us. Are we going by human standards or by spiritual standards? Are we envious? Are we filled with envy about what somebody else does or has done or uh, is about? Or is there a lot of strife around us because we're not happy, so we want to kind of make them unhappy? Uh, You know, love is kind of the bottom line. If we show, demonstrate love every day, guess what happens? The people are glad to see us coming because they know we're going to say something positive, something constructive, something helpful. That's what we all need. You know, there are a few people, uh, I don't know where they all are, but there are a few people that every time they... Say anything, it's negative. It's a downer. Well, you know, after a short period of time, you get tired of that. And you want to move on. Well, one of the great ministries that we have as Christians is we can share something about the love of Jesus and the love that Jesus has given to us and the love that Jesus has given to our church and the love of Jesus that has come into the heart and life of some people that we know that weren't Christians and now are Christians. I mean, we have a whole lot we can talk about and that we can share that really is sort of an upward movement and is not according to human standards, but is according to the standards of our Lord. Well, uh, fleshliness uh, is a sign that you are not close to God, that you have somehow been opposed to God uh, You're self-centered, you're self-contained, you're self-directed. You might be a Christian, but you're way back at the beginning line. The point is brought into still closer relation with events in Corinth Corinth, when Paul adds, look at verse 4. When one says, I belong to Paul, and another says, I belong to Apollos. There were some that were in the Apostle Peter group. There were some that wanted to say, well, you know, we're obviously better than you all because we're in the Jesus group. And, uh, you know, they, I mean, whatever they said seemed to be contentious and uh, causing envy and strife in the church. And uh, Paul says, verse 4, when I belong to Paul, another says I belong to Apollos, Are you not men and nothing more? Now, the word here for men is is speaking about the natural man, the lost man, the unchristian man. Now, those that are always uh, promoting themselves, those that are always uh, bragging, putting other people down, saying the wrong thing, the negative thing, the criticizing thing, Uh, they are carnal. Those are carnal people. And they're not going to help you to grow in your faith. The reason that you would be around them would be to bring them to faith. 
to help them move in a faith uh, direction, to help them move closer uh, to our Lord. The trouble is that they are human beings who choose to forget their absolute dependence upon God. You know, we can forget that. We can say, well, you know, I've done a lot of exercises. I've built up my biceps and my triceps, and I'm strong, and I can handle it myself. Or I've made a whole lot of money, and I'm rich, and I can handle this by myself. You know, sometimes if we're kind of on the wrong road, we get to where we say those kind of things. And it's not helpful. Uh, it, it leads people in the wrong direction. It stirs up envy and strife. What we want to do is uh, to follow Paul's line of thought into growing spiritually. Uh, the essential point here is that there is nothing wrong with a Paul. There's nothing wrong with a Paulus. What uh, is wrong is a resounding ego with which each slogan begins. I, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. Well, that's not good. You know, sometimes when we go to meetings, maybe it's your club or your sports group or your neighborhood group or whatever, or maybe a church group, uh, and you find some people in the group that want to talk all the time. They just love to hear the sound of their own voice. And they will take the microphone. You know, there are some people that you don't want to give a microphone to because they don't know what to do with it. Uh, they just keep talking. Uh, I, you know, you learn that about people after a while. Well, look at verse 5. Um, I have mentioned the names of Apollos and myself. Well then, what is Apollos and what is Paul? Now, it would seem like in the Christian perspective that the answer to that would be nothing, nothing at all. We're just, we're just used in the hands of God. We're nothing. Well, that's, that's not right either. If uh, we are Paul or we are Apollos or we are trying to follow the Lord as best we can, We are not to be idolized, obviously, but we are not insignificant. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying that uh, it was important uh, what we tried to do in Corinth. It was a terrible fellowship there. Paul had gone to that area, had led all those people to Christ, had worked real hard, to develop them in their faith, then he had to leave and go somewhere else. Paulus came in and he picked up where Paul left off and he worked hard. He led a bunch of people to Jesus. He helped to develop all of those people in the Lord. Uh, So Paul says uh, in verse 5, through whom you became believers. He's just pointing that out to them. You know, we led you to the Lord. We tried to help you to grow in your faith. So we don't want to be apologetic about being Christians, but we don't want to always be talking about I. We don't want to be always promoting self. We don't want to always be, uh, you know, leading the, the band that will bring honor and prestige to us. You are somebody 
If you are serving God, you don't have to point it out. People will know that. And, of course, the Lord knows it. But uh, you don't have to make a big thing of it. You will be remembered for your service. You'll be remembered by people, and you will be remembered by God. God remembers every single thing that we do. And there's a great uh, storehouse of wonderful memories that people have of you. And God remembers all those wonderful things that you did, the people that you helped, the people that you led to the Lord, the people that you encouraged to become a part of the family of God. All of those are very, very important. When I was growing up in Chattanooga, I went to a church in our neighborhood, and there was a guy on the staff of the church named Rock Blankenship. That was his name. And he uh, was the youth minister, and he visited the seniors on the other end of the spectrum, and he um, led groups of people uh, in, in prayer. He wasn't a good preacher. He wasn't a good counselor. He certainly wasn't a scholar. But he had a lot of wonderful characteristics, and he followed it out. If you started a verse anywhere in the Bible, it seemed to me like he could finish it. I mean, he had just memorized hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses. And people would go to him for help. They'd say, what's a verse that covers this? And he could tell them. Now, I don't know if you can do that. But I can't on four or five. Uh, you know, I can't on hundreds like Rock Blankenship could. Well, I, I feel so strongly about him. He led me to the Lord. He was the guy that took time after softball practice one day to lead me to Jesus. Now, I, I remember him almost every day of my life. He did good work. You know, he led a whole bunch of us. Uh, we were a rowdy bunch. He led almost all of us to, to Jesus. Now, if you're doing some things that are helping people, guess what? They're going to remember that. They're going to remember how you came to see them when you were sick and you were in the hospital or you were in the nursing home and you were lonely and they came to see you and to visit you and to love you. That will be remembered, not only by the person, but by the Lord. When you get to heaven, great will be your reward, because you stood for the Lord during this lifetime. We can be very, very thankful uh, for those uh, that have served here in this church. Uh, We've had some great people here. When I came here, there was a certain group of folk that uh, reached out to me and were helpful to me and loved me and, uh, you know, I, I felt so much at home with them and it was just wonderful. And, and they, they were just great people. Well, we're thankful for those that have served here, for those that have made a difference, for those that have had a vision. A lady in this church came to me years ago and said, Preacher, I think we need to have a sign out in front of this church. And I said, well, I think we do too, but, uh, you know, they're real expensive. She said, I'll give $10,000. And uh, she said, I want to get that going. I said, all right. So uh, we started a fund for the sign. In less than a year, we had the $85,000 that that sign out there cost. 
and uh, we put it up. Well, guess what? About half of the people that come to our church now come because of that sign. That lady had a vision, and that vision was a godly vision, and that vision has made a tremendous difference in the life of this church. We've had some great folks uh, that are evangelistic in their approach to life. We have folks here that have different spiritual gifts and that they have used for the Lord, and I think that's wonderful. We've had great teachers here. I think, I could be wrong, but I think the best teacher that we've had in this church is a fellow named Gerald Yentis. Most people never said his name right. They would call him Gerald. It wasn't Gerald, it was Gerald. And uh, people would always mispronounce his name, but he didn't care. And he would lead singing on Wednesday night, and he would sing solos, and he would be in all of our drama stuff, and he uh, was a deacon. He was a real good deacon. He went to see all of his people. He visited with all of his people. He was a great teacher of the Word of God, and everybody loved him. He watches our... Uh, service every week on the internet. He's going to be real surprised when he look, starts looking at this one. <laughs> Isn't he? Well, there's a lasting value to those that are trying to do the things that, that help others. Love God, love others. A lot of you are involved in that kind of ministry. And I want to praise you today because that is wonderful. That's what we're called to do. Look at verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered. He, he's, he's trying to draw a picture here for the people. Uh, he, he's trying to say, that's what we all want to do. Uh, we do it in our neighborhood. We do it with our family. We do it all around. Paul was the first evangelist to work in Corinth. When I was a kid, I asked my dad if he would get me some tomato plants. I wanted to try and grow tomatoes. And the first three or four times I asked him, he just didn't pay attention. The fourth or fifth, sixth time I said, he, he went to the store and got me four tomato plants. And I cleared off a space of ground and planted those four things. And I weeded it and watered it and fertilized it and took care of it, looked at it every day and I had a little tab, and every time I got a tomato off of there, I'd mark down a one because I wanted to keep count of how many tomatoes I got. Well, the first year went real well. Big boy uh, tomatoes, and they were delicious. Uh, I I thought it went so well. I asked my dad, I said, would you give me some more tomato plants? And he said he would, and he brought me two more plants. So, I, you know, I was keeping score here, and I was putting down every time I got a thing, I'd mark it down. And it, it grew. It developed. And it got to where I was having over 100 tomatoes a season. And I was real, and they were delicious. And my mother would make bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwiches, and I would smile all the way through the meal like I. <laughs> Those are my tomatoes. And, uh, you know, I think my brother got real tired of that. <clears throat> well, uh, we, we want to do the things that build up. That's what we want to do, build up. 
Apollos arrived after Paul. He did a great work. He helped to build up the church. It was not we, Paul saying, however, but God who made them grow. You know, we can do a lot of different things, but if we take all the credit, we don't know what we're talking about. We didn't make the sun come over for the tomatoes. We didn't put the soil there to begin with. We didn't bring the rain. You know, there's a whole lot of things that God did. And without God, we couldn't have done any of it. And we all need to know that. It was God who made them grow. Uh, verse 7. Uh, it follows that neither he who plants nor he who waters counts for anything, but only he who causes the growth. And that is God. The only significance of the planter and the waterer and the weeder is that God accepts their labor. God accepts that and works through them. Now, we want to get him working through us to provide the fruit of our neighborhood, of our town, of our club, of whatever we're in. We want to uh, get it going there. And we want to uh, help in that regard. He who plants and he who waters are one. We're all working together. We're doing the same thing. We're all on the same mission. Paul and Paulus have worked together as allies, not as rivals. There was already too much envy and strife in that church. And Paul kept saying and Apollos kept saying, we're working together. We're not working against each other. Give credit to God. And that, of course, is what uh, they learn to do. You know, in every group, whatever you're doing, there's a prima donna that comes in and wants to say, you know, I can only do this by myself because really no one can do it on the quality that I do it. You know, I can only do it by myself. The prima donna always has that kind of perspective. Well... You know, I learned a long time ago that uh, we can do our part and and be glad about that. And don't be envious of somebody else that does better if it's a worthy cause. You know, if they're leading people to Christ, you know, you say, well, I led one person to Christ in my life. I guess I'm a failure. You're not a failure. That was a wonderful thing. You made a difference in eternity for that person. And, you know, we compare ourselves to other people naturally. But just just do the best you can. You know, give, give it your best. Give it your strength. Give it your mind's best ideas. Give it what you have. And God will bless it. God will use it to his glory. And that's what uh, that's what we want. Uh, continuing verse 8, each one shall receive his own pay according to his own labor. Now, what was uh, Paul's pay? It wasn't anything. He worked, He had a secular job on the side. They didn't pay him anything for building the church. You know, we, we don't get paid for a lot of different things. But if they're godly things, they're good things, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh you know, and we drive down the highway and we see 
six people over here standing. There's a hole and there's one guy down there digging. And we think, why aren't those other guys in there? They're not in there. The uh, growth of the plants that is the gardens, that those are the gardener's immediate reward. We get a reward. When somebody walks down this aisle and you know that you're the one that helped them. You know, there's not a greater joy than that. I mean, that's as good as it gets. God is using you in a powerful way. Verse 9, for we are fellow workers in the service of God. We get a high pay. We get to help people grow in their faith. We get to help people uh, become outgoing in their faith. Every little thing. The people that are out here welcoming people, meeting people, greeting people. The people that are giving out cards, the people that take the offering, the people that do this, the people that keep this building working, the sound working, our sound people, our choir people, our instrumentalist people, all those folks over there in that box. All of those people are important. We are allies. We're not in contention. We're not envious of each other. We're all working toward the same goal. Let me conclude with this. That church in Corinth, was in a hostile environment. And so when somebody would move into the neighborhood, they would invite them to come to their church. They'd say, we have a great church. We'd like to have you come and learn about Jesus, become a Christian, become one of us. Now, a lot of people that join our church are put in jail for it. But we want you to come. Every once in a while, somebody, if they get too evangelistic, they, they get killed for that. But we want you to come and, and join our church. And some did. You know, we are so unfettered by so many things. We are free to talk to people about the Lord. We don't have the same conditions an environment that they had in that day, we can do a wonderful, wonderful thing every day because we don't have those kind of constraints. We have opportunities, not constraints. And I hope and pray that whatever you're doing, that you're doing it to the glory of God. God will remember that. And God will bless you for it. Well, today, if you're in the house and you've never made a public profession of your faith in Christ, we want you to do it. There's no point in putting it off. If you're here today, you need a church home, you've been visiting for a while, why don't you come and join us? We're not going to hold you on the floor and twist your arm. Uh, we're not going to throw you in the baptistry. You make up your own choice about that. We're not in any way going to impede your progress in life. We're going to try and help you. We're going to work with you, not against you. We want to love you. If you're part of a family, then we get to know you better, and we love you more. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If the Lord leads, you just slip out, slip forward, and take a stand for Christ today. Would you do it? Let's stand and sing together.